somebody last week was talking about the gospel class, and they go, that sounds so weird. Like, I got to do, like, someone comes in this morning, they go, where's your cult class? Where's that? And I go, the gospel class, what it essentially is, is it's seven weeks, and it teaches you the basics of what Christianity is. Uh, and it teaches you the basics of what element actually believes. And the reason we have people go through that before they become a member is we want you to know where we are, where we stand on certain issues, and so that people don't become members and then go, I didn't know this church believed that, you know, because that's just terrible when that happens. So we, we want you guys to go through it so you know what we believe. That's, that's really all it is. You, you don't have to go through it and then become a member. You can just go through it to see what we believe. You're like, oh, those guys are crazy. Oh, my goodness. You know, then you can, like, run out the door screaming. We'd be like, what happened? They went to the gospel class. Oh. <laughs> Makes total sense. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember uh, Jeremy and Kate. Uh, they were in the military a while. Uh, well, he's still in the military, but they went here for about uh, eight or nine months. He was being trained here, and then they went off. Uh, and they, when everybody else was having all their babies way back when, uh, her baby was due uh, next month, actually in March, and she actually had it in November. And I, and I told you guys about it, asked you to pray for them and stuff. This is Jaden now. And they actually got him to take him home from the hospital yesterday. So that's good. If you guys know them or like Facebook them or anything like that, say, hey, that's so great. Because it's cool. If you have your baby bottles uh, that you're, uh, for the CareNet fundraiser, you bring those back uh, today so you can turn them in. Uh, there's a bunch in the back, so it's not like only two people remembered. Okay, There's a whole bunch in the back, and we're going to turn those in this week. And I'm also supposed to tell you this. Last night we were watching the UFC fight, and then Jess Holmquist comes up to me, and she says, Oh, she's in charge of a lot of the events that we do around here. And she feels really bad because she's always going to the same people when we do events to barbecue. Hey, can you barbecue? And people get kind of burned out on that. If you are somebody who likes to barbecue and you don't like burn everything, if you burn everything, just we, we don't need you, okay? Because we can burn everything on our own. But if, if you can barbecue well and you would like to help out every once in a while at one of the events that we do, uh, send an email to events at ourelement.org and it will go to Jess and she'll like, contact you, put you on a list and stuff like that if you're interested. Why don't you stand there reading to God's Word. This is Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 and it says this, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that we are a people who would grow in the knowledge of you, that we would honor you with our lives, and that knowledge that you give us would turn into wisdom and in how we live with you as our Father. Amen. Have a seat. So we are going through the book of Ephesians. If you need a Bible, there's one in the back. If you don't have one, you can have one. Just grab one and take it with you. Again, I keep telling you this, they're, they're not the greatest quality. They're, they're cheap because we buy a lot to hand out. So if it rains, don't put it in the water. Because it will, it will soak up the water and never go back to normal size. So that's just how that works. Uh, at Element, if you are new, we typically teach through books of the Bible because it's the best way. I can't really mess anything up. And occasionally it makes me cover topics that I don't really want to cover. That's not the case this morning. But every once in a while, I, I got to run across something like that. Every once in a while, we will do a topical series. At the end of last year, we did a series called Stuff that was all about money. And apparently you guys are still coming, so good for you. Uh, but mostly we will do books of the Bible. Today we're in Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14. So if you want to turn there. Uh, up until this point in Ephesians, uh, there has been a lot of information. 
like this. The Father sent the Son to take away our sin and fill us with the Spirit so we can be a family of which God Himself would be the Father. And today starts a transition from all the stuff that Paul keeps laying as the foundation. He starts a transition now into how that practically works out and how we live our lives. We, we have actually spent uh, two weeks on each chapter. We will actually now, for not Starting in the chapter next week, we will spend four weeks in every chapter because now it actually breaks out into very practical things about how we live our lives. So today begins this transition. Uh, our understanding of God, Paul constantly says, begins with revelation. Begins with revelation. And this is, again, Paul says this multiple times that we do not live in speculation. We live where God has made himself known to us. Paul says God does this through the apostles and the prophets, the Old and New Testament, and God's Spirit within us. Paul's rhythm in Ephesians has been revelation and then prayer and then what you do with all of that. He cycled through this a couple times now if you've been here since the beginning of Ephesians. And so he keeps coming back to what this is. Revelation and then contemplation and then action. Revelation, contemplation, action. Some of you are very strong in certain areas of your life and weak in others. Today, hopefully, you'll begin to be able to define what some of those are. You thank God for where you're strong. You work on where you're weak. Now, through studying the Bible, we are people who are supposed to realize who God is. That is revelation. Him ultimately coming as Jesus. Again, that is revelation. Then we are to contemplate that. You know, silence, solitude with other believers, sometimes with Sabbath or meditation, then out of that comes the works that we are going to do. Now, works do not save us, but in spending time with God, we will want to do the same things that God is doing because we are spending time with Him. Now, some places in Scripture, what you will see is God just declares who He is. These are His attributes, that He is all-powerful, He is all-knowing, He is all-present. But then Paul also shows how God reveals Himself in poetic ways, that God is Father, and He is Groom, and He is Friend, and He is Shepherd, and He is Warrior. John Calvin says that God uh, does this all throughout scriptures so that he could speak to us in a way that we would understand. He says that, you know, God speaks baby talk to people, much like a father speaks baby talk to their little kid. Oh, you're so cute. How are you doing? You know, it's the, the it, it was so funny. Um, uh, Ryan and Sarah are walking in this morning and I'm all, and they got their baby and I'm all, hey, baby. And I go, that's at the baby. That's not at you guys. Right. <laughs> People do, it's not just a do to baby. That's what kind of God kind of does to us. Anyway, so uh, Paul shows today that God is both of these things, that declaration of who God is and some poetic images of who he is. So Ephesians 3.14, that's how it starts. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father. That is the most common name used for God in the New Testament, Father. That God for his people is a dad. Men get to participate in the creation of their children. Their job is, is very enjoyable for the most part, for them, uh, you know, and then, then the baby comes, and then it is your children, it is, it is your kids, you're responsible for them, dad should love their kids, dad should feed their kids, discipline their kids, be actively involved in their lives, that's a good dad, if you're, if you're a dad and you, let your, and you let your wife do all the work and chase after the kid and discipline them, that's not being a good dad, as a good dad, you get a hold of your kid, you spend time with them, you are intimately involved in their life, just how God is intimately involved in the lives of his people because he is responsible for us in a very real way so dads as they love their kids is just the way that god does this ephesians chapter one says god has adopted us he adopts us god feeds us god houses us he's he's involved in the lives of us he disciplines us he is a father who loves his kids and god has taken what separates us from him which is sin he's taken that away so we can be his kids and we can speak to him in any time any circumstance for any need 
So Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. This, is the whole, this again, is, is another revelation that we are a family. All beings were created by God. All things come from God. And we need to be connected to Him and each other for life. This, Paul tells you that God is creator and God is creative and all things that God makes, He made with beauty and value and worth. And what we do with that is we come in and we sin and we mar that beauty, value, and worth. But we still have value because God is the one who made us. We do not have to seek people or things to give us value. We simply have value because God is the one who made us. Everything comes from God. It is full of beauty and is given as a gift for His children to enjoy. These are revelations that God is Father and He is creative. Verse 16, And I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power. That's another revelation. God is all-powerful. We need His strength to overcome our sin and death and our own selfishness. We need this all-powerful God. We need to rely on His strength. So this power comes from, revelation again, through His Spirit in your inner being. There's another revelation. God is spirit. He is not like us where he is bound by his time, space, and physical matters. God can be actively involved in all of his kids anywhere on the planet all at the same time. The spirit has taken refuge in his children, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There's another revelation. He just, he's just throwing it at you. But this is all going to come together in a minute. Trust me, okay? <laughs> this, this means surety of who he is. Christianity is not a philosophical system. It is not a world religion. It is God revealing himself to his people, making himself known in the person of Jesus Christ. God has come to us. God has humbled himself to dwell in his people. He is Father. He is Creator. His strength comes through His Spirit. God's revelation comes through His Son. And then it says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, there's another revelation. God is also love. He is a God who loves his kids through actions, not just words, but through actions. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what God's love looks like. He dies for us. God's love is action. It is action in the midst of his people. And that is the God that we pray to. God is Father. He is Creator. He is strong. He is action-oriented. He is Son. He is Spirit. God loved His people enough to come for them and to love them. God had to reveal this to us. Revelation. This is the revelation of God. Then verse 18, that we may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That we, you, you take this revelation, you contemplate that, and you, and you hear this, and you're like, oh, and you sit with that, you let it stew inside of you, and then you know who God is by what He does and by what He has said. And this is not just knowledge. Knowledge is not enough for relationship. God's intent is not just information, it is transformation and relationship. God wants intimacy with His people. That's why He continually reveals who He is. That is why He is so action-oriented. Our goal is not simply to know a whole bunch of scripture and be able to quote it off at people when we're irritated at them and want to call them sinners. When Satan goes to, goes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, he quotes scripture to Jesus. We don't go, well, the devil must be a good guy. He knows scripture. Right? We don't do that. We, we don't do that. Okay, just to let you know. Okay. <laughs> Satans and demons, they know who God is. They know scripture, but it's of no value to them because they don't love Jesus. Knowledge must become wisdom in how you practically live that out. You can know a lot of stuff, but it's not profitable if you don't love Jesus. Information has to penetrate 
our hearts to lead us to this transformation where the gospel works itself out through our hands. Christianity is essentially threefold. It is knowing God in your mind, it is loving God with your heart, and it is serving God with your hands. And if you miss those, you will miss God's intention. Because we live in an age that is so full of information. Everyone is trying to bombard you with information all day long. Some of you actually make a living, not with goods or services, but with information. Uh, I actually have half ownership of a computer company. We make our living through information. We are all inundated by information. You have overwhelming advertisements every day, everywhere you go. Emails, you have, you have text, we have billboards, TVs, movies, and you got product placements in movies. I, I'm going to show you a couple of product placements in movies because I just think it's really interesting. Here's my first one. Right? Oh, I've seen this show. Everybody's seen this show. What is Coca-Cola. You know, I'm like, I wonder what's actually in those, especially Paul Abdul's. I wonder what was in her cup. Because <laughs> it sure wasn't Coca-Cola. Unless there's something else in it with it. Oh, here's another one. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What are they eating? Product placement. Well, here's another one. Okay, this is called Super Monkey Ball. It's a video game. Anybody ever play Super Monkey Ball? What is wrong with you? Okay, can you see the bananas? Dull bananas. Product placement. Here's another one. This is like... It's very sad. This is Spider-Man. Carlsberg beer, because he's like, boom! I could use some of that. And he, and he keeps going. Okay, and then uh, here, here's my last one. This is Superman. This is, this is a long time ago. Pepsi Cola and War Bonds. Superman. Get some War Bonds. I just thought it was funny. Whatever. We get so much information every single day that most of us just dismiss it readily. I mean, most of us don't even notice half the stuff in movies. Like It just passes right out of our mind. Anybody check your email this weekend? This morning? Ah, I did, because I'm crazy like that. Now, most of us don't remember everything we read or everything we see in movies, because it doesn't stick. We just let it go away. But the information that we get from Scripture, that is what's supposed to stick. But because everything just bounces off us now, a lot of times the stuff we read in Scripture bounces off us, off us as well. We need to spend some time knowing that, getting that into us, contemplating the revelation that God has given to us. And that will only come through time and meditation. And when I say meditation, I don't mean like, home, oh, where you empty your head of everything in the world. It's where you think about a concept from Scripture. Maybe you are a very anxious person, and you're always worried about stuff. Scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Like, oh, but I gotta be still and know that. Oh, what do I got? Be still and know that I. You gotta let that get into you. Think about that all day long. It begins to make a difference. So it becomes a part of who you are. In Ezra seven ten, it says, "For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel." Ezra is the guy who studied and meditated and lived it, and then he taught it, and he makes a great difference in the history of the, uh, the nation of Israel. This is like a tea bag in water. Steeping takes time. If you go, most restaurants today don't give you free tea anymore. But if you go to a, a, a Chinese restaurant, many times they will give you a, a teapot with some tea bags in it, and you and you sit there. If you if you get home and you just pour it right away, right when it comes, it's like water with a little tinge of ugh. But if you leave the tea bags in it for a while, it starts to taste like tea. That's called steeping. The, water, the, the tea bags sit in the water. It begins to infuse the water with the taste. That is what we are supposed to do with the revelation of God. We are supposed to let it steep within us so we begin to taste it. And people, when they come around us, they taste it because we have spent our time with God. 
The problem is that we all get so busy we never allow God to steep in us, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. We don't spend enough time knowing this love that surpasses knowledge because it bounces right off of us. Ecclesiastes makes fun of a man who tries to chop down a tree with a dull axe. I don't know if you've ever tried to chop anything with a dull axe. Bong! Bong! It's like a baseball bat on a rock. Bong! It's, it's terrible. But this is the people of God who spend no time at all with God. We're like a dull axe. You can be working hard, but you're not working smart because you're... Bong! And it's coming right back at you. There's no wisdom or power in any of the work that you're doing. By the Spirit, we have the power of God. The energy to serve comes from Him, so we must be spending time with Him. Him. I think sometimes the enemy, if he cannot get you to sin through temptation, will just keep you busy all the time. Too busy to be with God. It is too is easy to be too busy. Uh, for most of us, our alarm goes off in the morning to wake us up. And you know, mine goes off to the radio. Most of ours to the radio. My wife has this... Scares the Jesus at every single morning. Like, bam, like, freaks me out. I got the radio. It's like, oh, there's the news. It's this kind of cool. The radio goes off. You, you drive to work. You listen to the radio. You work with people all day long. You come home. You turn on the TV. You go to bed. You never have any time of quiet and solitude to reflect on what God wants to do in our lives. To simply think about the scriptures and what God was calling us to taking time to spend with God. Uh, you look at like a picture of the Last Supper and you have the gospel, and you have the, the uh, John, the disciple. He's leaning back on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. That is not theology. That's something we're supposed to see. Of all the things John could be doing for the kingdom, he is taking time and he's spending time with Jesus and he's slowing down. That is the process of meditation, getting time to be with God. And when we talk about for the rest of this morning, I am talking at myself as much as you guys because I am always busy. I have a terrible time saying no to anybody. Hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual lives today. Carl Jung even said that hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. I mean, our, our danger is not that we're going to renounce our faith. It's that we become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of what life is really supposed to be. We want something now. Nobody wants to wait. I'll tell you, I, I bought a DVD player when they first came out. It cost me 700 bucks. Yeah! You get them for like, what, 10 bucks now? Oh, get Sports Illustrated. You get a free DVD player. You know what it, you know what it played? Not DVDs. It was a piece of junk is what it was, but it was a ton of money. It is a great illusion that hurrying and not having patience for anything will buy you more time. In the 1960s, Time Magazine came out with an article about time man management, and it talked about how expert testimony was given to a Senate subcommittee on time management. And the essence of this was that technology advances in the next 20 years, so by the end of the 80s, people would have to cut back on how many hours they worked in a week, how many weeks they worked in a year, and everybody would retire sooner. The challenge the article says was, what would people do with all their free time? Right? We're about 35 years removed from this, and do you have a lot of free time? No, because every gadget makes us more busy. We buy anything that promises an ability to hurry. The best-selling shampoo in America, it, it combines shampooing and conditioning in one step. The number one pizza chain in the company, Domino's Pizza. Is that because they make good pizza? Heck no. No. <laughs> Terrible pizza. It, it's because they, they sell delivery. Actually, the CEO of Domino's, when they started the company, he said, we don't sell pizza, we sell delivery. That's what he actually said. We worship at places like McDonald's, because, and not because of the food or the price, but because it's fast food. 
When fast food first came out, you had to park your car, go inside, order your food, sit down and eat. It takes too much time. So we invented the drive-thru. So people eat in their vans like God intended <laughs> or something. Open to the book of, leave your finger in Ephesians, but open to the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 31. Jesus is completely aware of this problem. He constantly withdrew from people and crowds and encouraged his disciples to do the same. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Third book in the New Testament. But keep your finger in Ephesians because we're going back there. Mark 6, 31 says this. Oh, wait. So nice. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some what? Rest. Get some rest. This could be our motto. Too busy to eat. I, my wife gets irritated at me sometimes because I get so busy I don't even eat lunch because I'm doing one thing to the next. She goes, did you eat lunch today? And I'm like, I had an apple. That's not lunch. You, you, you've got to eat. Do you really think God values that? That we're too busy to eat lunch? No. No. If you want to follow someone, you cannot go faster than the one who is leading. You must slow down. John Ortberg, he gives a bunch of tests to, to check yourself uh, if you're a hurried person. So I'll, I'll give you these. I thought they were really good. He says, do you try and speed up daily activities? What that means is, do you feel there's never enough time so you read faster and you eat faster and you talk faster? When someone is talking to you, do you nod faster so they will hurry up? and get out what they're trying to say to you. If you go to a stoplight and, and there's two lanes on your side and there's a car in this lane and none in this lane, do you automatically get in the other lane because it's like, oh, I'm going to get off the line first. This is like pole position. I played this game as a kid. If you, if you pull up to the light and there's someone like a car in both lanes, do you like judge which lane you want to get in by the make and the model of the car? Is, is it a Porsche or a Prius? What, what color hair does the driver have in the car in front of you? If you go to the grocery store to go to the checkout line, do you count how many people are in each line and how many items are in each cart times by each person? And then, and then you actually get in the line and then you choose who would have been you in the other line. And if they get through first, you're angry, but if you get through first, you're like, yes. There you go. You speed up your daily activities. Next one, do you multitask everything? You know, while, while you drive, do you eat and drink coffee and listen to the radio and shave and put on makeup and talk on the phone and make gestures all at the same time? I pulled up to a stoplight a while ago. There's a girl, and she's got a curling iron and a blow dryer. And I'm like, this is, I don't even know where she plug those things into. You know, it seems like you blow all the fuses. But she's over there. I'm like, that's, that's pretty crazy. You know, do you, do you sit down to eat? And, and do you eat dinner and read a book and have a conversation and watch TV all at the same time? Is that you? You know, do you, do you have a lot of clutter in your life? Uh, hurried lives usually lack a whole lot of simplicity. Do you have bought a device that's supposed to help you get rid of all of your clutter and you're too busy to read the manual to figure out how it works so it becomes another piece of clutter in your life? Do you get rid of stuff? Are you stimulated to buy new stuff because, oh, I just got to have new stuff? And there's lots of other less material forms of clutter like uh, do, you, do you have a hard time saying no so you say yes to everybody and you're always just so busy doing everything for everybody else? Have you become superficial? Uh, today, again, we've traded wisdom for information, but there is no microwave to maturity. It's something you've got to learn by living it. Uh, do you have an inability to love? A lot of times when you hurry, what happens is you start to lose the capacity to love because you don't have time for anybody else. Do you have fatigue in your life for those you're supposed to care about the most? Do you get home from like a day's work and those that are supposed to get your love the most get your anger? 
those you're supposed to be most committed to in your life get your leftovers? Are you too drained and preoccupied to love those you're supposed to be most committed to in your life? Do you find yourself rushing when there's really no reason to rush? Like you're at home, you've got nothing to do when you're like, and you're just running around like, like you're nuts. You know, is there tension in your home that causes a bunch of sharp words between you and other people? Oh, Trinity. Usually I've heard, heard it asleep. I don't know what's going on today. <laughs> I do that to a lot of people. Um, have, have you lost a sense of wonder and gratitude you know, with all the things that God is doing in the lives of people around you? And then do you indulge in self-destructive ex- escapes? Uh, do you maybe drink too much or watch too much TV? Do you listen to country music? I'm just kidding, I know. This is what, hurry kills love. Hurry kills love. And that's why it becomes one of the great enemies. Paul says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Hurry prevents us from receiving love from God or giving it to other people. We can't move faster than the one that we are following. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus know God? Yes. Okay, just yes, Jesus knew God. He was God. Okay, so he, he knew him. He says, I am the Father are one. He says, Before Abraham was born, I am. Yes. Okay, so did Jesus have work to do when he was on the earth? Yes, he had work to do. Save the world. That'll keep you busy. Okay, he's got a lot to do. Yet he takes time in contemplation with the Father. John 17, 4, Jesus says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus finished all the Father had for him to do. He knew what those works were by spending time with the Father. He knew who his disciples were by spending time with the Father. His public ministry, before he picks his disciples, he spends spends time with the Father before his public ministry. He spends 40 days with his Father. The night he is betrayed in the garden, he spends time with his Father. All of Jesus' actions were, were preceded by time with his Father. Paul says, verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father. Part of Paul's body posture is worship. He stops, he kneels, he prays. Kneeling was a way to show humility and reverence. Sometimes we need to kneel and get our head down and get our eyes off of everything around us and all the noise that's there so we can focus on what God wants us to focus on. Paul's in a jail cell and he knows that God is there with him. When is the last time that you or I simply got on our knees before the Father? That you stopped long enough to listen to what he's saying? Verse 17, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The Hebrew concept of the heart encompassed your entire being. Your entire being. Uh, Your life comes out of your heart just like water comes out of a tap. Your whole life should come out of Christ being the center of your life. This comes out of time spent with God. Uh, Now, he he is not just someone you think about. He, he He is someone you do life with. All of life is relationship lived with Him. And it takes time. It takes time. Intimacy is walking through seasons of life and circumstances of life together. It is not done quickly. It is done by doing life. So, here are some practical ideas about slowing down. You don't have to do these ideas. You can do anything you really want to do. But we deliberately try and put ourselves in situations that teaches patience. This is very hard for me to do because I have no patience. Okay? But, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few. You don't have to do all these or do it all in one week because that would just be terrible. But you know. So try this. Try driving in the slow lane. It's like, oh, what? That's the lane for sinners. We don't drive in that lane. Try it. Try driving in the slow lane. Leave your house five minutes earlier before you got to go somewhere and just spend some time driving in that lane. When people, people pass you or cut you off, don't get all mad and you want to 
just pray for them. God, Jesus, make them crash. No, but you know, you say, God, please bring good things into their life and teach them patience like you're teaching me. You know, like, you know, like that. Uh, fast from honking. You know, take a horn bell of silence. Get rid of your instant justice button for like a week. You're like, you cut me off, jerk. You know, just get rid of that for a while. Eat your food slowly, you know, for a week. Don't eat all of your food. Order through a high school kid, through a clown. Hey, go home. Make some food. Make your food for a week. And then spend time chewing it and enjoying it. And thank God that food tastes so good because it does. And when you do that, you might even lose weight. That's a bonus. Okay? For, for a month, try this. Try getting in the longest line at a grocery store or a clothing store or a Home Depot. You're like, my gosh. This is America. If we could stone you, we'd take you outside right now and do it. And then let somebody go in front of you. For one day. Try one day. Don't wear a cell phone or a pager. Or a watch. Like, what's a pager? That's if you're a doctor, apparently. You don't have to do this list, but you figure out something that delivery makes you have to slow down. And you try and go with that. You know, again, you don't have to do this list, but you let your life show that you're trusting God through your actions, enable Him to accomplish all that He wants to get done through your life, spending time with Him slowing down. Uh, John Ortberg wrote a book called The Life You Always Wanted. It's all about spiritual disciplines. Uh, and in this book, he tells a story about this thing called Tattoo the Basset Hound. It comes out of Tacoma, Washington. Tattoo's a little basset hound, and he loves going for walks at night. So one night, his owner gets up, he's going somewhere. Tattoo's all, ooh, he's got little legs, so the basset hound, right? And so he's all... And he runs out to the car, and his owner doesn't notice. You know, he opens the car door, gets in the car door, doesn't notice his dog, and starts to take off. Well, Tattoo's leash gets stuck in the car door. You know, so then Tattoo has to run, right, with those little legs. <laughs> Next thing you know, there's a motorcycle officer. His name is Terry Filbert, and he notices this car going by, dragging something behind the car. So he chases the car down and pulls it over, but not before Tattoo had to run over 30 miles an hour, which... You can't do, right? So he pulls him over. He, he's okay. He's alive. He's, he's doing okay. But now, at night, when people get up to go for a walk, he just stays there. Tattoo does not get up anymore. Now, our lives are a lot like Tattoo. Our leashes, we get so excited, and it get, gets caught in the door of our society. And we're running, and we're being dragged along behind it. We need to allow Jesus to pull the car over so we can take some time off, and we can slow down and enjoy God's creation and your family and the life that Christ longs to give to you. You take time to spend with God so you know this love that surpasses knowledge. He says this, verse 17, he goes, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Grasp, know, understand. You do this by spending time with Him. God is the foundation and the root system our whole life is supposed to be founded upon. It takes time. It takes time. God just doesn't want us to be about Him. He wants us in Him. 30 times in the book of Ephesians, He says, You are in Christ. In Christ. So we stop spending the hours of our life to decorate the attic of our life whenever cultivating the foundation that is Christ. He says in verse 18 that you may have power together with all the saints. You know what that also tells you? It's a community doing this together. Moving forward in the direction he calls us to go. Moving at God's pace. We together will help each other to do this. And many times we'll get mad at each other when we say, Oh, you're too busy. I'm not too busy. I'll fight you. And then run at my next appointment. You know, because we... 
we don't like people to call us on the things that are we're really screwing up. But it's a journey. We're doing it together. After spending time with God, we are then sent out as a people to do His work in the world, always coming back to spend time with Him because He is our Dad. In verse 20, it says, Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Slowing down, knowing God. God gets much of His glory and by His power working through us as His people. The word glory, we'll actually talk about this on Easter. The word glory is the word kavod. It means weight, that God's weightiness is supposed to press most heavily upon us and remind us that we were made by God, that we need to spend time with our God, taking time with Him and then going into the earth, which is full of other people that He created and He made and that He loves and wants us to minister to. We go in joy and harmony with Him after revelation and contemplation that turns into action. But we must take the revelation He has given and spend time with that steeping in us so we live the life that God wants us to live, living the way that He does. All for His glory. So slow down. You know, this morning, we, we always invite you guys to worship God through fellowship where you get to know other people. There's tons of food back there today, which is amazing. So you can eat it all. Leave like a little ball in the corner going, ding because everything's gone. Get to know each other. Spend some time fellowshipping. Maybe you're in a small group this week. You, know, you, ask, your, you ask your friends, you know, how can I slow down? Or, or you give them the power in your life to be able to say, hey, you need to slow down. You allow them to do that. We worship God through fellowship. Worship the, uh, God through song. The band's going to come up. Oh, they're not even in the room, are they? Yeah, they're slowing down. Yeah. When they come, everybody, everybody go, oh. Oh. The man's going to come up. And we're going to worship God through song once they actually decide to start moving. Um, and so take a few moments as we do this to slow down. Slow down. And yeah, a little too much. Uh, and, and sing some of these songs to who God is and how he has changed us and made us new. Uh, we're going to worship God through communion. And, and once again, don't just run up to communion really quickly. Slow down a little bit and say, God, where do I need to slow down in my life? You know, how, how do I need to trust you more? Where am I so busy that you are not even taken into account in the things that I do? Uh, so when you come up, take communion, you break that cracker, you dip it in the wine of the grape juice. The cracker represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. The wine of the grape juice represents his blood that was shed for us. We will worship God through giving. Uh, and once again, you slow down, take some time. God, what do you want me to give? You know, we give simply because God gave so much to us, and giving is part of our worship, so we give to him. Uh, and then we'll worship God through prayer. There'll be some deacons and elders in the back. And if you guys need prayer for anything, like, man, I am so busy, I don't even know how to slow down. Go pray with them. They'd love to pray with you. If you have any issue, they would love to pray with you. We are a people that are called to do life together. Yes, God saves you. He saves you. But He saves us to be a corporate body that does life together, learning how to encourage one another to live the life that He calls us to live. So slow down. Don't honk your horn all week. Spend some time thinking about all the things that God has said about who He is. And then when we go through the book, rest of the book of Ephesians, you'll be amazed at all the things that come out of the revelation of who God is. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I ask that we would be a people who trust you. God, trust you more than we trust ourselves. And when we think we don't have enough time to get everything done, 
would simply slow down enough to let you be God. To take a time of rest, as you call us to. And in that resting, that we would thank you for the time that we have off. The rest that our bodies so desperately need. And that the revelation of who you are would start to steep very deeply within our hearts. And we would realize that we do not have to try and get everything done. Because you are a God who has finished all the work that really matters. So help us to be a people to work hard and well, but also rest well. To slow down enough to show that you are God and you are sovereign and you are in control. And take this moment as one of the many moments in our lives that you give us that is completely holy because you are the God who has created these moments. And we come today before you as a people joining with you in this holy moment. Have us worship you. Amen.